Thanks, guys. Um, yeah, um, it's, it has been a pretty full-on 48 weeks. So w- welcome. My name's Simon Hermel. Uh, I'm an elder here. Um, yeah, I also live in Lobethal. And uh, so, yeah, we've had um, some interesting few days. I, I, um, was, I'm a policeman, and I, I was working on the Friday, uh, and I spent most of the day... Um, being busy doing not much. Unfortunately, as a police officer, you don't really have much of a job in terms of fighting fires. You wish you could actually grab something and, and help out more than we could, but um, we were busy trying to support CFS and as, as best as we could. Um, but, yeah, it was pretty epic, um, driving around, watching the fire, um, seeing the devastation it caused, and also, um, yeah, being really concerned for that 50-kilometre uh, easterly wind that was supposedly coming straight towards Lobie uh, at the end of the, the day. So praise God that um, that uh, didn't do what they were expecting it to do, but obviously it still continued and caused uh, more devastation in Cuddly Creek and Mount Torrens. So, um, yeah, I uh, on Friday I called Dave up and I said, uh, look, not sure if I, I'm really ready to preach. Um, I'm, I was ready. I was all ready to go. Um, but um, I, I said I'd take Saturday to think about it. And um, yeah, God, often when I preach, he throws an obstacle in my way. <laughs> um, just an extra little hurdle because I just love getting up in front of you anyway. Um, uh, so I have an extra obstacle uh, and this was it. And um, I ju- it was a good excuse, really, to, n- to not get up, but I just felt that God has a word for us today. Um, and he's a good God, like, like Charlton said. Um, he's a good God. And, and so bear with me. I'll try and be as, quickly as, as quick as I can. I realize we've already gone a little bit over. So um, uh, let's get stuck into it. I'm, uh, I'm preaching on the... the the Bethlehem Road series that Dave started off um, last week. Uh, And we get to look into Zachariah and Elizabeth. And um, I think there's definitely something that we can get from their story. So, um, yeah, let's get straight into it. Before uh, before we actually go to the passage of Luke 1, um, I just want to jump to Malachi 4 um, because it gives us a really good base um, of where where we're going today. So if you turn your Bibles to Malachi 4 or uh, get your phones out, um, whatever you you use. Um, So uh, Malachi 4 verse 1, For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall, and you shall tread down the wicked, for there will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day which, when I act, says the Lord of hosts. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and the rules that I have commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, And the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. 
So we see in chapter uh, Malachi, um, the, the, the last chapter of the very last book of the Old Testament, that Israel are left with a sense of hope, knowing that God has a plan for their future. He's going to send this Elijah figure to them um, before the great and terrible day of the Lord, uh, where their enemies will be like ash under their feet. Um, but what we're not told is from Elijah, uh, so from Malachi 4 to the beginning of the New Testament, there's actually been 400 years that have passed without Israel hearing any word from God, from a prophet. There's been war, there's been oppression, and there's been political upheaval, and Israel are finding themselves as second-class citizens in their own land, uh, under the rule of the Roman government and being taxed and oppressed. And so you can imagine that Israel at this point at this moment, are starting to doubt whether uh, God has heard them, whether God's promises are going to come true, and whether anything is going to change at all. And that's where we land in the first chapter of Luke, and we're introduced to Zechariah and Elizabeth. I'm not going to read out the whole chapter, but what I'll do is I'll try and sum it up. So in Luke 1.5, we're introduced to Zechariah and uh, Elizabeth, (laughs) and we are told that Zechariah is a priest from the line of Abijah, and Elizabeth is from the line of Moses, uh, Moses' brother Aaron. Um, So they're both from a priestly background, uh, and they're described as good, righteous, and God-fearing Jews. They are described as elderly, and they have no children, as Elizabeth is barren. So at this time, Zechariah is chosen by Lot to enter the temple and burn incense, And while he's performing this duty, the angel Gabriel appears to him. And in verse 13, he says, follow with me, Luke uh, 1, verse 13. He says, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you shall call him John, and you'll have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord." And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit spirit and power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man." And my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I, and I was sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place. Because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah. And they were wondering at, at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went home. As we read on, we see that Elizabeth does fall pregnant and she rejoices in God's provision. And when the time comes, she gives birth to a son and Zechariah obeys the angel and calls him John. As soon as Zechariah obeys, he is given his voice back and he breaks out in in worship and uh, prophecy over John. 
It's a, it's a beautiful story, and once again, uh, as so often I think every time I've preached, uh, I've preached on God taking broken people in seemingly, seemingly hopeless situations and turning their story into one of joy and hope. And I was thinking about this this morning. It's all through the Bible. It's like God is just sending an alarm out to us all. God uses broken people. God uses hopeless situations to speak of His love, to speak of His joy, to speak of His hope. And it's, it's not Dave giving me these sermons. Um, it's actually all through the Bible. Um, and we need to take hold of that, especially at this time, that He takes hopeless situations. He takes us as we are, imperfect and he uses them for his glory. So let's just pray. Father, we come to you now. Um, It's been such a blessing to be a part of this church service already. Um, But Father, we come with expectation. We want to hear from you. I want to hear from you, Father. Um, This is you speaking, Father, and I just pray um, that it would sink into my heart as you speak, that your word would speak into my heart and it would speak into our hearts, Father, that we would hear your word, that we would know your peace and your joy and that um, we would go out um, joyful knowing that you are with us and you are for us. In Jesus' name. Okay, so let's get a bit deeper into it. So we see that although Zechariah is a priest... And he's described as a righteous man who obeys the laws of Moses. He, he doesn't have much to show for, for it, uh, especially in the way that the world would, would judge. So he lives in the hill country of Israel, which means he probably lives a simple life, not a privileged life. And he's not mixing in the high society. Both he, he and Elizabeth are old and past the age of having children. And the stigma of not having children in those days meant that they were somewhat outcasts in their community. When you consider um, all of that, along with the fact that Israel was still under the impression of Rome, um, Zechariah is feeling like he has little to look forward to in life. So when Zechariah is chosen by Lot to participate in the burning of incense, it would have been one of the most significant events of his life. You see, the burning of incense is the most coveted priestly duty uh, and you, when you're chosen, you're chosen by a lot, and it's so significant that that priest can only perform that duty once in his lifetime. It was completed twice a day, and it involved the priest entering into the sanctuary um, and offering up a prayer with the burning of incense on behalf of God's people. Faithful believers would come to the temple at this time and gather together, outside it and they would pray together as the incense was burnt and once the ceremony was complete it was the priest's duty to come out of the temple and and perform a blessing over those who had gathered. So if we put ourselves in Zachariah's shoes he clearly prides himself in his priestly duties and keeping the law and the commandments and besides that he has not much else to pride himself in. He's given up hope of any, ever having a child 
and he has no great riches. He's waited for this moment for most of his life and he probably was beginning to wonder if it was ever going to happen. There can be little doubt that he felt a great amount of pride and relief knowing that he had the honour of participating in this uh, sacred act. And you would expect it would be very normal to assume that he might even revel in the fact that he would be seen by his fellow man, those that looked down on him in the past, and he would have the honour of standing before them and, and performing this ceremony and, and giving that blessing. This was his moment. This was his life moment to stand before, to regain uh, a sense of pride and to bring some respect back to his family name. But I think what Zechariah, where he went wrong was he was so focused on the event itself and all the opportunities that went with that, that he forgot about the very place he was entering into. He was entering into the holy place of God. He would be the closest he had ever stood to the very presence of God. Only the, the curtain stood between him and the presence of God. And he had that sacred duty to come before God on behalf of his nation and offer up a solemn prayer. Now, we could judge him for forgetting what he was doing, but in light of everything else that was going on, the fact that it had been 400 years since Israel had heard from a prophet, he'd been praying his whole life for a child and he hadn't heard anything. You can understand why he could perhaps be blasé about what he was doing, not realise that he was actually entering into God's presence. And so he enters into the temple to fulfil his duty and in some ways he's just going through the motions, maybe even unconscious of the fact that he's entering into God's presence and, and certainly not expecting God to respond to him. Now, I, don't get me wrong, I'm sure that he was serious about what he was doing and he, he had thought very thoroughly about uh, the prayer that he would say and that would have been a solemn and thoughtful prayer. And most commentators believe that Zachariah would never have considered praying for a child at this time um, for two reasons. Firstly, for him to, to pray for a child for such a personal prayer at such a reverent and sacred time, um, it, was, it was not something that would have, would have happened. And the other was that he was clearly too old to have children and he'd probably given up on having children a long time ago. So most likely he would have been praying for Israel's liberation through the coming Messiah and perhaps asking for forgiveness for Israel's past unfaithfulness. And so all of a sudden, in this moment where he's just going through the motions, he finds himself in very unfamiliar territory. To his shock and amazement, this angel appears in front of him and declares that the prayer of his, of his youth, the prayer of his married life is going to be answered. And not only that, but that his son would be the, the Elijah that was prophesied in Malachi. You can almost imagine him, can't you, standing there with the angel in front of him going, I was just meant to say a prayer and then, you know, wander out and, and 
give a blessing. That's all I'm, that's all I'm here for. And, and so, despite having a terrifyingly, a terrifyingly beautiful angel in front of him and telling him these things, his reaction is one of total disbelief. And so, in that moment of disbelief, he wasn't actually expecting an answer from God. He wasn't expecting... He was, he was expecting silence, the same silence that he'd heard all his life. He was caught up off guard and as a result, he was told by Gabriel that he would be made silent and that his silence would be proof that God had heard his prayer and that he had answered. It's pretty ironic, isn't it, that Zachariah's silence could be the most powerful message to his people that God had spoken and his promise would be fulfilled. And I just want to dwell on that moment for, for a minute because I really want to get into Zachariah's skin um, and I want to use an illustration. Who's, who's seen the movie Dennis the Menace? It's a good movie, one of my favourite childhood favourites. If you haven't seen it, you, I'm probably getting old. And, but it's worth watching, it's a good one. Um, so if you know the movie, you'll remember the scene where George, uh, Dennis's old grumpy neighbour, has a very special orchid, or, yeah, orchid planted in his backyard and it only blooms every 40 years. Uh, George has been anticipating this day for so long and the night finally comes and he holds a special party with all his friends to witness this momentous occasion. Um, just as a flower begins to, to blossom and bloom, uh, Dennis inadvertently interrupts the, the entire party uh, and distracts George long enough for the flower to bloom and then wither and die. Um, and it's quite comical at the time, but you really do feel the heaviness of George's uh, disappointment, don't you? Realising that all the years he built that event up in his mind uh, had just come crashing down in one comic of errors, uh, one, one simple innocent mistake made by Dennis. And so too I think we can imagine how Zachariah must have played up this event in his mind all his life, just like George. Perhaps he was even visualising the blessing that he would give to the people as he came out the temple. Uh, he would picture, you know, coming out uh, very solemn, very confident, very graceful, coming out to the people and, and performing this uh, solemn blessing uh, that, that everyone would be in awe of. Contrast that to the image we get in Luke, where the crowd can immediately see that something's wrong. Um, Zechariah would have emerged looking quite perplexed and dazed, maybe even stumbling out. And as he gathered himself to try to regain his posure, he goes to speak and nothing, silence. The words just won't come out. He would just be sitting there thinking, why? Why can't I talk? What's going on? And then in that moment, a light bulb would have gone on. He would have remembered what the angel had just promised. All of his prayers, all of his childhood prayers, all of his priestly prayers, he had prayed his entire life, were, about, were coming 
true before his eyes through this promise, through the fact that he couldn't speak. And so what he had built up in his mind to be something spectacular was being blown away by something far more grand, far more beautiful, far more amazing and, and too powerful for him to even comprehend. Now, you've heard me preach long enough that I love um, looking at the names of, of the characters in, uh, in my stories and uh, this story uh, is, is amazing. Uh, all three names that we look at today are, are, are yeah, just beautiful. So, Zachariah's name, it means Yahweh remembers. All those years of, of Zachariah and Elizabeth's prayers have, have not gone in vain. God has remembered them. And he has answered in a way that far exceeded anything that they could imagine. And you get the sense that every day Zachariah was silent, was necessary to transform his understanding. All those commandments and statutes that he had faithfully followed his entire life were coming to life before his eyes. There was no chance of him just going through the motions anymore. No chance of him seeing the temple and just seeing it as a building anymore. Um, if we've got time, I think I'll just play a quick five-minute YouTube. Got, I don't know if you've seen this. You've probably seen it before. Um, but I think it, it gives us a visual idea of... Um, of what it's like to see things for the first time. Happy birthday, dear Daddy. Happy birthday to you. How old are you now? Oh, there's, there's something for you to open. I'm younger than you. Shut up. Like a brother to a sister. He's posing. I probably could have passed for him. He thinks he knows what it is. If I was going to guess. Don't guess. You're going to guess wrong. You're going to guess wrong. Really? Yeah. I think the other, I don't know, there's only, I think the other end is easier to open. Scotch tape. Yeah. No, it's, it's uh, packing tape. Yeah. Sorry. explains it but basically this this man he only sees in black and white okay so his uh, what he doesn't know is the glasses that he's about to put on um, actually allow him to see in color for the first time in his life um, he's I don't know exactly what the the condition that he has but he he only sees black and white um, until for somehow they've worked out the technology to allow him 
um, to see in colour. It had um, the the one I thought that I chose had music. <laughs> it was a bit more compelling. Happy birthday, baby, from all of us. Happy birthday. What is this? Put them on. Put them on. Put them on. The How does it look? Oh, that's weird. Look at the balloons. <laughs> Can you see with our eyes now, baby? Can you, what colors you see? Those. Those. You see colors now? Oh, the trees are neat. <laughs> <laughs> Now you have rose-colored glasses, baby. <laughs> now you see with our eyes. Do you like the balloons? What about the flowers in the house? <laughs> oh my goodness. It doesn't look like mud. <laughs> it looks like brighter mud. We could probably stop it there. I think you get the picture. That was Zachariah. After, in his silence, as he meditated on, on the commands and the statutes that God had given in the temple, he was seeing everything come to life. He was seeing all those commandments, all, those ima all that imagery. It pointed to something. It meant something. It spoke of a Messiah that was coming. It spoke of a holy, blameless Messiah that, that would enter into the very presence of God as a priest on our behalf, that would turn the, tear the curtain down and who would mediate on our behalf and reveal the Father heart of God to his people. I couldn't help noticing Gabriel's words, he would turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. And it seems during that nine months of silence, that's exactly what God was doing in Zachariah's life and in his heart. His eyes were no longer on himself. They were on the work that God was, was doing. They were on the work that God was doing in John and the work that John was going to do. Do you remember a time in your life where something dry and bland and, and colourless became light and life. Um, that is what our Christian faith is. That is what knowing Christ is, is seeing the light and the colour and the life in everything around us. 
we'll move on to Elizabeth's story and, and it, we, we don't hear much about Elizabeth. We don't hear much of her story, but it's clear that she's a beautiful and faithful woman of God. And isn't that so often the case? That those quiet, faithful men and women in our churches are often the ones that seem to fly under the radar and we forget how important and faithful the work that they are doing amongst us really is. The thing is, they probably don't even mind because their eyes aren't fixed on themselves. Now, it goes without saying that the trial of not being able to have children is one of the most heartbreaking and difficult trials that anyone could go through. Forget about all the cultural stigma, forget about the unkindness and the judgment that came towards Zachariah and Elizabeth. It just doesn't seem fair. It just seems too unfair, doesn't it? That two loving, righteous people aren't able to have a family and enjoy all the life experiences that come with that. Now, Elizabeth could have easily become hardened and bitter and angry towards God. But instead, we see in her response how beautiful her, her heart is. When she finds out she is pregnant, the first thing she says is, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among the people. You get the sense that Elizabeth's weakness and her barrenness had not made her embittered and angry towards God. It had only deepened her relationship with God. And he became all that she desires. And she gives him all honour and glory when he answers her prayer. Can I tell you what Elizabeth's name means? It means, my God is abundance. Isn't that awesome? She finds her abundance in God. And in his grace and his mercy, he grants her abundantly more than anything that she could have ever hoped or imagined. And it reminds me of Sandra, Sandra and David's story. You know, they were past the point of the, the house they, they, they thought the house had burnt down. They had passed the point of any hope. And then they got the news that, no, actually, the house is still standing. So finally, we see the day of the birth arrives, and the family gathers and asks what he, he will be called. Now, as Dave preached last week, the custom is that the, the firstborn is named after the father. So everyone was expecting... Um, him to be called Zachariah. So when Zachariah uh, obeyed God and called him John, uh, the family was, was uh, yeah, confused. They weren't sure what was going on. But, but immediately as Zachariah obeyed the angel Gabriel and his commands, obeyed God, his speech returned and in that moment, he breaks out into the blessing that was far greater than any blessing he could have said nine months earlier outside the temple. He, he says a heartfelt blessing, not a blessing to be heard by man, not a blessing to build up his own stature, but of worship to a sovereign God and a prophecy over the, and, and a blessing to his son. So let's read from Luke uh, 1, verse 68. He says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people 
and he's raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness, before him all our days. And you, children, will be called the prophet of the Most High. Sorry, you, child, speaking of John. You, child, will be called the the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people, in the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet in the way of peace. The silence has done its work in Zachariah's life. He gets it. What once was ritual and tradition has become true life and meaning. And just imagine Zachariah's friends and family and his community. It would have been an unforgettable and powerful moment for everyone who knew um, what had happened to him. And just to top that off, um, do you want to know what John's name means? John's name means God is gracious. Yeah, I don't have to say anything, do I? God is gracious. So what can we take from this story? Um, What do we learn from Zachariah and Elizabeth that is relevant to our lives today? And obviously there's, there's a lot of points, but two points that struck home with me. Um, God doesn't leave us in our going through the motions. God doesn't leave us in our religion. God doesn't leave us just going, following the way of everyone else. He comes to us. He calls us to enter into His presence. He calls us to enter into a relationship with Him. So how do we come into God's presence? How have we come to God's presence today? Are we coming expectantly? Or are we coming just going through the motions because we do it every Sunday? And this is not just about Sunday. This is about every day. Because Christ has come that we would have a relationship. He is our priest who has entered into that temple. As I said earlier, he's torn down the curtain. And we have access to our Father, to God our Father, whenever we want. And I know so often I waste a whole day seeing black and white because I haven't come expectantly asking God to be with me, seeking His will for my day. And, and I think we miss so much. We don't see the colour. We just see black and white. And I, I think, you know, this, this week, that Friday and Saturday and, and probably the weeks to come, God is calling us to come to Him, to come into His presence, to see His colour, to see where He wants us to serve, where He wants us to act. And secondly, through Elizabeth's story, we see that 
God's power is made perfect in our weakness. Elizabeth shows us how we posture ourselves when we come under suffering, when we come to see our weakness, when we come across those trials. How do we posture ourselves? Do we ignore God? Do we turn our back on God? Do we harden ourselves to God? Or do we come to Him and trust that He has a plan for our lives, that He is gracious, that He is merciful, that He actually has a plan that's far greater than our plan. It's not about us, it's about Him, it's about His glory. Corinthians 12, 9 says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And a a quote from Spurgeon, just to finish off, says, You stand before God as if you were Christ, because Christ stood before God as if he were you. And I think if we remember that each day, if we come come to God each day knowing that Christ has made a way for us, we should expect to see colour and expect to see life and expect to, to see God working in ways that we couldn't imagine. So can we do that as a church? Um, and keep me, hold me to that too. Because so often I just find myself going through the motions and, and not seeing life as, it's, as we're called to. Uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you for the story of Zachariah and Elizabeth. We thank you for using them and their story and um, just to show us that you are so gracious, that you uh, go far beyond what we could ever hope or imagine, that you love us, that you desire a relationship with us and you are gracious towards us even when we don't deserve it. We thank you for Christ that he has come to free us Um, he has forgiven our sins that we can enter into God's presence and we just pray that you would draw us deeper into relationship with you draw us closer to you and help us to glorify your name help us to share you um, as often as we can to be led by your spirit and to walk uh, this life seeing the colour of the kingdom of God and all that you are doing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to a sermon from Hills Baptist Church. To find out more or to hear other great content, find us at hillsbaptist.com or on your podcast app.